Bible nearby. Let's go to Luke chapter 14. As I said earlier, this is the second Sunday of Lent, and we started last week um, kind of picking apart uh, Luke 9.23 as a part of us getting ready to, uh, or as a part of our journey toward Easter together. And um, Luke 9.23, Jesus says, if, if you want to be just like me, if you want to come after me, uh, and, and be one of my disciples. Uh, anybody who wants to do that, he says, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And so um, we're spending time in, kind of in those ideas, kind of breaking it into smaller pieces. We started last week with the, the call to, to deny ourselves and just the idea of self-love and all that. And um, I'm not going to try to recap that. Some of it will be recapped naturally in the text here in a second, but you can go listen to that podcast if you want to. But So tonight we're going to kind of look at that second part about um, taking up your cross daily, bearing your own cross in a daily sense, and kind of what that, what that looks like. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, that Luke 9.23 that I just went through, uh, we find that in all, in all three of those Gospels. And in Matthew and in Luke, we find Jesus saying pretty much the same thing uh, at, a different, at a different time. So Matthew and Luke have Jesus saying this twice to two different groups of people. Um, and so we're going to look at the one in Luke and Luke 14 tonight. Uh, Jesus is, is uh, becoming a very popular teacher, a uh, very popular rabbi. He has all these people coming, following him around. Anytime he goes to teach, there are large crowds and stuff. And... Uh, we, what we have here is this moment where it's a, it reads kind of like the fact that like they're all coming around and Jesus just kind of stops and and gives them a very sobering understanding of what it means to to really follow him. Uh, that anybody who hears this kind of has to jump off the bandwagon a little bit, you know. If they just kind of enjoy being spectators, they kind of want to see what the hype is all about. He just pretty much lets them know right away. Uh, there's just there's more to it than than most of you realize, and so if you really want to be like me, here's here's kind of what you need to do. Um, and for for us as believers, we we fall into that same thing. And it's there's a lot of it's not complicated when we get down to it. It's actually very simple, but it kind of brings up a lot of questions. And I'll try to address those as we go. So let's let's look at what exactly what he says. Um, in Luke 14, starting in verse 25. It says, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. 
Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 men to meet him who comes, who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So, therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, I don't know about you, or, um, but I, I grew up around church. I've been, been to a lot of church camps, a lot of church services, a lot of different churches. Uh, I've worked camp before. I've been involved in ministry pretty much just as long as I can remember. Um, I don't recall that being the altar call theme. Did you, have you ever heard an altar call? It's like, if you want to come after Jesus, you pretty much have to give up everything in your entire life. Um, and you give up every right to everything, every dream you've, you've ever really had, um, all your possessions, uh, your family. You need to pretty much just be willing to just end your life, the life as you know it, and come to follow Jesus. And then, do you sing time after time? He's waiting before, waiting before. Do you sing that after that? I, I, know, I didn't hear that very much. I heard a lot of, Jesus died for your sins. I heard, I heard a lot of that, which is good. I heard a lot of, do you want to go to hell or heaven? Okay, that's, that's legitimate. Um, I heard, heard a lot of, uh, Jesus is begging you, standing at the door, knocking. You know, I heard that kind of stuff. I heard, heard, heard a lot of different Gospels. I don't know that I can count on one hand maybe the number of times that someone stood up and said, if you want to be a Christian, uh, just know it's going to cost you everything in your entire life. But that's what Jesus does here. Um, I've told some folks this weekend, I feel like, like within the church, we've kind of made this te- a text like this kind of the fine print. You know? Jesus doesn't make it the fine print. He stops everybody and says, oh, okay, I know you're all coming after me. That's fine. Just if you love your mother and father more than me, you're not fit to be, to be one of my disciples. I was like, whoa, everybody steps back. Yeah. And so we can't, we can't just dismiss this. This can't be the fine print of Christianity that, that after you've been involved in a while, you're like, man, they keep talking about like surrendering everything and, and all this kind of stuff and not being like materialistic and letting God do what he wants with my life. I did, all I thought was that I'd, I need to pray this prayer so I could go to heaven so my life could get better or I need to pray this prayer so I wouldn't have to go to hell or whatever. It's just like this whole different thing. I didn't realize this. Nobody told me this. Um, well, that's a part of the beauty of Lent is that we get into some of those fine print issues. You know, Our community group topics will be a little bit heavier between now and then. Our Sunday nights will be a little bit heavier between now and then. And that's a, a, a part of what ne- needs to do. We need to get in there and look at that fine print and the, uh, the fine print of, of Christian culture and look at the large print of our Bibles and realize that there's, this is, there's a whole lot more to this than cultural Christianity tends to paint. Um, so, so, yeah, so just, there you go. Must deny himself, take up his cross daily, follow me, look at what, what he means. Uh, let's, let's just go through this passage slowly. Uh, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, 
he cannot be my disciple. All right? We're just going to leave that up there. Um, that's, a, that's a tough verse right there. In Matthew, uh, it's, Jesus is saying the, the exact same thing, but he says it a little bit differently. And the way Matthew records it gives more, like a, a better probably uh, to English translation of what Jesus is saying here. Um, Matthew says, if you love your mother and father more than you love me, you're not fit to be my disciple. The word hate, it sounds weird, but apparently at that time, uh, in that region, it was kind of uh, just a part of the vernacular that hate really means like, uh, means love, love less than. So you wouldn't, you know, so if you said that you, I don't know, you hate sweet potatoes, it really means that you just love them less than a regular potato. And so a lot of times when we see hate right there, the teaching becomes, uh, well, it needs to look like hatred compared to your love for the Lord. Well, what he's really saying here is, is like it says in Matthew, um, unless, you're, um, unless you love me more than your parents, more than your spouse, more than your kids, more than your siblings, and even more than your own life, you're not fit to be my disciple. I don't know if you've ever led with that in a, uh, when you're sharing your faith with someone or not, but that's a tough, that's a tough thing. So yeah, pretty much Jesus demands every, pretty much everything from your life. And this verse is looking relationally. And I think a good way to, to understand this is something that I, I read in my studies this week. So that Jesus is really saying um, there need to be no relational attachments in your life that keep you from being obedient to him. He's not saying you need to like uh, remove yourself from your family, divorce your spouse, abandon your children, and don't return your siblings' phone calls. It's not what he's saying. He's saying you have to love me more than, than those closest relationships that you have on the earth. There could be no attachments to those people that would keep you from being obedient to what God wants you to do. That's really what he's saying. And that is difficult. Let's just say it. But you know the part that we read, and we'll get to it in just a second, where he talks about counting the cost? That's a part of the cost that we have to consider if we really want to come after Jesus and be just like him. And Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about. Jesus, he had a mom and dad. He had siblings. He had close friends. When it came time for him to leave them, he did it. Not because he didn't love them, but because his love for his heavenly father was greater than his love for his parents and his siblings and his close friends. And that's what he calls us to do. The hard thing for us, I think, is to kind of know, know when, that's being, when that is the case, you know. And I don't think there's a really good, uh, there's no like, I don't know, 10-question test you can go take online to let you know if you love Jesus more than you love your spouse. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But Jesus is making it very clear, if you are going to be my disciple, this is going to be the reality of your life. So following Jesus will cost you relationally. There will be friends of yours who will want you to, uh, 
to be a certain kind of person, to go places and do certain things or whatever. And there are just going to be times when you're, this verse is going to become very real to you, and you're going to have to tell them no, because your love and obedience to your Savior trumps your love for your friends and your desire to be one of the gang and cool and whatever. It's just it's going to cost you that. And that shouldn't, we shouldn't get mad, you know, when that happens. Because Jesus said it's going to happen. There are, are um, this is not just something for like young, young people, you know, teenagers, college students or whatever. This, there are grown people all over, all over the place, uh, a lot of folks involved in our church, who, um, who really struggle in their relationship with their parents when it comes down to uh, like o- obeying Jesus or keeping their parents happy. Jesus is addressing it in that verse right there. It's saying you, you have to love me more than, you, more than you love your parents. And so a part of what it will cost us as Christians is at times our parents are going to be disappointed because they think your life should look a certain way or they think you should, should handle something a certain way or whatever, and you've been praying about it and the Lord has shown you something different than, than what they're saying, and Jesus is saying that you have to be willing to disappoint your parents if disappointing your parents is trumped by being obedient to me. You have, to, uh, you have to be able to look your spouse in the eye and let them know that your goal is to love Jesus first and for them to be second. And the spouse who is hearing this can't get mad. You can't get mad. Because the reality is, if you want your spouse to really be all that they should be and could be and Jesus died for them to be, then that will be the reality for them. There will be some costs in there. There should be no relational attachments that keep you from being obedient. Now, this this cannot be uh, this cannot be a verse that is like all of a sudden becomes your trump card for you to just get your way and do whatever you want. You know, you can't be like, no, I mean, I really like to do that, but I love Jesus more, and He said the kind of thing. He said this, and so I'm gonna kind of go that. Luke 14, you know, kind of way. You can't do that. You can't be like, well, I'm, I'm sorry, we're going to, we're going to, uh, whatever. I'll just stop doing examples because I get in trouble. But you can't, you can't use obedience to the Lord as this trump card that automatically just helps you kind of just do what you really want to do. That's not what this is saying. Because when you're doing that, you haven't denied yourself. And that's with the, with the verse, it says, Father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and yes, even his own life. It's that self-love we talked about last week. And so, our love for Jesus, our desire to be like him, to be obedient to him, to be one with him, has got to be greater than any sort of relational connection that we have. When that is true, every relational connection you have is is automatically strong and holy and good. So if you really want to be a good spouse, parent, friend, 
brother, sister, child, whatever, if you really want to be there, for that to be like just the way that, that those relationships to be all that you want them to be and they could be, then let Jesus and his, your love for him reign over those things. So, then he goes on, and it gets a little more difficult. Not that that's not difficult, but verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. This is a, had to be a super weird thing for everybody to hear because uh, culturally, to talk about bearing your cross would have like, brought everything into mind uh, connected to crucifixion that we all know to be true. And so... Um, if you've seen the Passion of the Christ or if you've been to an Easter pageant or anything like that and you've, you've read the, the stories in the Bible and you've been around all that, you know that there was, you know, Jesus had the, he had the trial and then they, they flogged him, you know, they, they beat him basically. And then he had to carry the crossbar of his cross from uh, where all that went down through the city to the place where they did the crucifixions. Well, that was not unique to Jesus. That's what they did for all the criminals. And so, um, them walking through the town carrying this big cross all like bloody and stuff was something that happened on a regular basis. That's what they did to criminals in order to like show everybody this is what happens when you break our law. Um, so here's Jesus. Before it happened to him, he's, so he's saying, if you want uh, to be my disciple, if you're not willing to bear your own cross, uh, then you're not fit to be my disciple. And that certainly would have been confusing to them. You know? We don't really have an equivalent. Um, I was trying to think of an equivalent. I really can't come up with one, except for like the Green Mile. I don't know. So, you know, the movie, the Green Mile is the, is the tile that when they're dead man walking kind of deal. You know, that's the only thing I can think of. So if Jesus says, if you really want to be mine, you have to be willing to like walk the Green Mile and get in the electric chair. Walk your own Green Mile and get in your own electric chair every day. What? What does that even mean? The ESV Study Bible, I think, uh, I think it's a great resource because it's, it's just very succinct. And uh, they said it's basically em- embracing God's will no matter what the cost. Like it, embracing God's will no matter what it costs you. So for Jesus, him embracing the will of the Father cost him his life. Like he had to bear his own cross. And so really what Jesus is telling them is, is you've got you to let go of all these plans and dreams for your own life and embrace the fact that God has a, a plan and a dream for your life. He has something he wants to do with you. And that that's, goes from a, a, a daily thing to a lifetime thing. So he has a cross for you to bear, like a a plan, a will for your life today. Like the mic, kind of a micro level. On a macro level, he has a plan for your, your whole life. And so when you, when you say, I want to follow Jesus, a part of the cost that you're counting is the fact that you are letting go of, of what you always thought your life would look like. And you're submitting to what he wants your life to look like. So, uh, for some of you in this room, um, your life has turned out exactly the way you thought it would, for the most part. You know, if you had been interviewed as a high school junior, and, you, and they said, at 30 years old, what do you think your life will look like? Some of you, you hit the nail on the head. It's exactly right. 
And some of you in here, you, oh, you would have, so wrong. Your life looks nothing like you thought it would. Looks just nothing like you thought it would, nothing like your parents thought it would, nothing like your, your friends, your community, your whoever. You, just, you are just in a really different place than you thought. So whether it's exactly what you thought or it's nothing like you thought, it does not matter if you were open-handed with the plans that you had for your life. If you got to the point where you're following Jesus and you, and you just say, my life is not my own, my life is yours. Whatever you want, I'm going to do it. For some, he showed you what that plan was and brought you right through it. And for others, he said, you don't have a clue. I'm not even going to tell you. This is going to be an adventure. And you're like, all right, that's fine. If your life didn't turn out like you thought it would, it's okay. It really is. It's okay. Your parents might be mad, and you might feel like you've let people down. You might be, you might be super frustrated because you just thought this and this and this. It's okay. If your life is exactly what you thought, don't hear me saying you manipulated everything and didn't listen to the Lord. I'm not saying that. To follow after Jesus is for us to say, do what you want with my life. I embrace your will today. I embrace your will for the full scope of life. And if that changes every couple of years, and I go this way and 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 this way, then like, take me on that path, whatever. I don't, it doesn't matter. That's what it means to be Disciple of Christ, as we say, it's, it's all yours. Look at what he says next. And he's talking about counting the cost. Um, well, we already read it, but he's, he talks about if you're going to build a building, you've got to make sure you can pay for it. If you're going to go to war, you've got to make sure you can win. He's saying, look, you need to know what you're getting into. I think what Jesus is saying here is like, hey, if you're following me just because you got all emotional and whatever, following me is not a flippant thing. No relational attachments can keep you from being obedient. No attachment to the plans that you made for your own life can keep you from being obedient. And he closes in verse 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. We could put possessions in there. We could put money in there. We could put career in there. We could put whatever. Basically, this whole thing comes down to the, what that verse is saying is you just have to renounce everything. You, you have to, you just can't have anything holding you back. And we've all probably been in, in places kind of, uh, not too extremes, but we've, we've been in places where, we, where we've gotten this right. And we've probably all been in places where we've gotten it wrong. Where we knew God was calling us to, to, to do something, to step out there in faith, to whatever it might be, and we, and we held back because we of some relational attachment or some sort of uh, like plans for our own life or some sort of material thing or, so, or debt or whatever. We've probably always been in places where we knew this is definitely, I know this is what God wants, but I just can't, I just can't do it. And Jesus says, you can't be my disciple if that's, if that's the way you're going to do it.
It's a hard teaching. It's hard to apply sometimes, you know, because, I mean, when I was in, when I was in seminary, like, I knew, I, when, I, we started, when I started seminary, I knew that we as a group were going to plant a church. Like, I knew, I knew that this was going to happen. Uh, I just knew it, you know. And that was, I, when I say I knew it was going to happen, I knew that that, that was the, the vocational ministry path that I was going down. Now, sure, it may, maybe it would have come to fruition or not, but that was like the journey I was on. But every single time that somebody made a compelling presentation in seminary, I would have these doubts. Like, maybe I'm not supposed to do that. Maybe I'm supposed to do this. I had a social work class one time. We had to do all these presentations, and so it was on just different aspects of social work. And like every single time, I was like, maybe I'm not supposed to plant a church. Maybe I'm supposed to go work with AIDS patients. Maybe I'm supposed to go into prisons. Maybe I'm supposed to be, uh, do this. Maybe I'm supposed to be a, a child advocacy person. Maybe I'm supposed to do something else. And, and f- like for 20 minutes, I'm like, is, this, is God stirring me up? Is he doing this? Is he doing this? And eventually it would just like fade away. I'm like, oh, no, I'm supposed to plant a church. I think that's kind of what Jesus is warning against. Is like, don't get all into like, into the into the, the hype, emotional, whatever about Christianity, and lose sight of the fact that this is about completely dying to ourselves and letting God do whatever He wants to with our lives, because life on Earth is not about us. Our whole, everything in society tells us that it is, but everything in the Bible says that it's not. Our life is but a, it's just a vapor. You know, it's like the, the eight days a year that it's cold here and you can see your breath and then it fades away. That's, that's life for us on the grand, grand scheme. So why do we build everything about, around our own comforts and desires and plans and all this kind of stuff and end up just basically walking in disobedience all the time? Well, according to this text, because we're not willing to love Jesus more than all our relationships and to love Jesus more than we love our plans and to love Jesus more than we love our stuff, and so it's that we're not fit to be his disciples, in his words. And so I wrestled with that this week. Especially, like, how do you bring that in front of a group of people who, for the most part, uh, and I pretty much, I, I view these gatherings as being like for Christians, but I know that there's some folks here who are not Christians, and if you want to talk about that afterwards, I would love it. Um, and I would encourage you to not walk out of here with questions, but uh, it's like, how do you get up in front of a bunch of people who are already following after Jesus, and there's a tremendous amount of faithfulness in this room and love for the Lord and all that. How do you get up there and say, oh yeah, by the way, do you, do you love your spouse more than Jesus? Then you're not qualified. You know? You're failing. You know? And I, I just wrestled so much with that, because I was like, okay, is this a list of prerequisites that he's giving them? Or is he saying... That, uh, that, that this is the kind of life it's going to be ultimately, and you just need to be okay with that or, or whatever. And, and I was really just going back and forth because it, it reads like prerequisites, doesn't it? It's like, it just, that's how it reads. And so I think that the, the takeaway for us tonight is uh, it's not, there's probably a trillion things that it's not. Don't go thinking that you're not really a Christian. Because you haven't gotten this perfect yet. Don't go thinking, just don't go, don't go down that road. Because I think that Jesus is, is, is 
that this text is telling us like two very important realities. One um, is that you have to you have to know exactly what it's going to entail, and you got to be on board with that, and you got to want that. And so maybe you're not sitting here tonight being like, no, yeah, no, no, I hate my wife. Got it. Hate, hate, my, hate my parents, hate my kids, hate my whatever. Just like Jesus said. Love him more than them. I think, I think it's okay if you're sitting here being like, yeah, I think I kind of struggle to, if I could, to honestly say that my love for Jesus trumps my love for all these people. Yeah, that's okay. I don't think he's saying it's a prerequisite. I think he's saying you need to know what you're getting into. And the second thing I think he's saying is that this is the kind of person I'm going to make you into. I think it's a lot about us standing here saying, I'm not that now, but I want to be so badly that I want to come after you, and I want you to do that in my heart and do that in my mind and do that in my life. That's what I want. I don't want relational attachments to keep me from being obedient. I don't want the fact that I've got my life and my plans in this like tight-fisted grip. I don't, I'm tired of that keeping me from obedience. I'm tired of it keeping me locked into uh, whatever. Like I, I want to be. I want that kind of life. I want that. Bear my cross today. Embrace the will of the Father, no matter what. The, I want that to be me. I'm tired of my mortgage and my car notes and my uh, insistence on living at a certain level, a certain kind of lifestyle. I'm tired of it keeping me from uh, whatever, going and like going abroad and doing missions somewhere or like moving into a part of town that just needs more Christian influence or freeing up your budget to be able to meet more needs or whatever it might be. I'm, I'm tired of that life. I want to be this kind of person. I think that's what Jesus is saying. I think he's saying you need to know what you're getting into. And you need to know that that's, that's where we're going. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and just follow me. That's what he wants to do. That's what discipleship with Jesus looks like, is let me make you into this kind of person. Now, I don't know where this hits you tonight. It may not hit you at all. Maybe I was a little too random or too whatever. Maybe it hits you right between the eyes because you read that text and you're like, oh my goodness. Um, where it hits you is between you and Jesus. Because I would imagine every one of us looks at, at kind of those three things that we walk through, relational stuff, plans for your own life, just a connection to material, just things. And we could probably just let him just work on us on all those things. We're like, man, all those things are an issue for me. All those things tend to keep me put. Uh, you know, I read one of the commentaries that said, you know, when, when we have those, when we have this taken care of, when... When we've, when we've said that to the Lord, we said, I want to be that kind of person. I want you to make me into the kind of person who lives in that truth. Uh, you're, you're free to follow him anywhere. You're, just, you're free. Think about your life and think about like if, 
if you really did love love Jesus more than than those closest to you, and you you wanted you embraced His will over your own will, and you had no attachment to things that kept you from being obedient, you'd you'd be free to go do whatever. And and guess what? It's not just for college students who have just graduated. That's not what it's for. You know, Megan Boudreaux was up uh, last week or week before that. I was talking about Haiti and how she just up and moved to Haiti. And some of y'all are saying, I can't just up and move to Haiti. I got kids. I got a mortgage. I got, you know, I got a job. Okay, well, be faithful with your kids and your mortgage and your job. Don't let your attachment to those things keep you from being uh, obedient to Jesus. And let him make you and me and us into these kinds of people. So it's a, it's a simple text. It's just a, a call to death, basically. A death to self and self-interest and all that. And what's really a call to life. So, so there it is. That's a part of Lent. Is coming face to face with some of these tough things. But this is his plan for us. This is not fine print. This is right there, top of top of the deal. Like this is what it means to follow him, and it's awesome. Uh, let's pray. Lord, um, I really don't know uh, where this lands with people, and uh, I'm not even 100% sure where it lands with me, and I've been wrestling with it all week. But it's not random. We didn't look at this passage tonight randomly. Uh, We didn't sing these songs tonight randomly. And what you're doing in this room is not random among us. And so uh, we just want you to have your way in this room, in our hearts and our minds, and just ask that you just that you just point to some things in each of our lives, just in, in these next few just still kind of quiet moments. Let me just just kind of just let that rest out there. Just spend a few moments asking him. What he wants. I'll close this here in just a second. Lord, we need to. Uh, we know we all need to just let go of our grip on some things, and um, and so while we're certainly not done uh, praying with you and letting you give us some direction with this stuff. Um, Our time here tonight is about to come to an end. And so I just ask in all humility that you would just continue to teach us and guide us and uh, help us to not resist and shy away from the call to come after you. And you just telling us, look, you need to know exactly what this is going to cost. Help us to not, uh, push away from that but just to draw near to count those costs and to just to present ourselves to you as a living 
breathing sacrifice, just willingly laying our lives down and saying this is about you and not us. And so we just embrace your will for our lives no matter what it costs us because we know whatever it costs us is far outweighed by the goodness and the glory that is to come. We thank you, Jesus, for your example to us that you don't, you haven't called us to do something that you didn't do yourself. Um, I pray that we would be encouraged and challenged by that example. And as we close tonight, that uh, we sing one more song, that this would just be uh, just a true expression of where we are with things. Um, I pray this in your name. Amen.